welcome to episode 41 of the official EstablishTheRun.com podcast. My name is Adam Levitan. I'm one of the co-founders here at ETR. And today, once again, I'm joined by everyone's favorite hippie. This is the man who connects to his internet via hemp. The man who painfully went through his regrets of playing Patrick Laird over Kenyon Drake in last week's DraftKings Live Final and talked about it on his review screencast. It is, of course, Andrew Wiggins, a.k.a. Makasupa. Wiggins, what's going on, buddy? Mistakes were made, but this is a forward-thinking show, and we're looking ahead. Well, I guess we're looking back to last week to discuss the games, but mm-hmm. we won't be discussing Patrick Laird over Kenyon Drake as far as the DFS play goes. <laughs> I talked about it again on the solo pod today. I couldn't help myself because I was I was <laughs> tilted that I didn't even consider it more. So, so yeah, not the best. Uh, okay, quick note. We will have an extra show for you all this week. On Thursday night, Evan Wiggins and I will do a show exclusively about Saturday's three-game slate. Should be some good DFS action for that one. You know, these, these short slates kind of bring people out of the woodwork. And I think it's because, like, it's just... You can make a case that has less work, right? Like for people to grind through every game and be on top of what's going on in all three games is much easier for people than to make decisions across 13 games and be on top of 13 games. So I think you can see more action on the three-game slates. I expect to get a lot of action. Should be a really good slate. But anyways, Friday night, we will have our normal main slate position-by-position Kama Sutra show. And then Sunday, of course, the last-minute live stream ahead of the main slate as usual. But anyways... As for today, we will be looking back at each week 15 game. We will be sharing nuggets that we saw that will help, hopefully help us make better decisions in week 16. Silva is slaving away at the matchups column as we speak for his take on everything that went on and everything that will go on. Be sure to read his matchups or listen to them from Mr. Jake in full. Last reminder, two more reminders, actually. We're still running the 20% off sale on a monthly or weekly purchase. Promo code ETR20 if you're interested. We will be going full blast to the Super Bowl. And also, another established the run tournament on DraftKings this week. It will be 3,000 entries again. There will be no rake again. There will be added prizes. Much fun will be had. We will get a link. And once we have that, we'll put it on top of some articles, likely Silva's matchups, et cetera, et cetera. So get in there. All right, Wiggins, enough business. Let's get down to it here. And let's look back and try to look ahead at some of these situations. Jets at Ravens were last week, and as expected for this game, I think the Jets were just like drawing stone dead. You could see Sam Darnold like bickering with Adam Gaze on the sideline. You could easily see them getting down 35-7 after three quarters, and it gets a little easier this week, uh, but not much easier. Home date against Pittsburgh. People are going to be talking about the Le'Veon Bell revenge. I have no doubt that Le'Veon Bell has revenge in his heart. It just looks like he's just not in it, man, and they're not using him in the right ways in the pass game, et cetera, et cetera. What did you see out of Jets in Baltimore? Well, yeah, I mean, considering how difficult the matchup was, they had pretty good fantasy production. Crowder had a monster game. You know, Robbie Anderson didn't do a ton, but he had four for 60. That's not awful. Uh, and Le'Veon Bell had 21 carries for 87 yards, which is probably one of his better yardage games of the entire season. Two catches, one yard course didn't find the end zone yet again I think he only has four touchdowns on the year and that that's really been the problem with him and and, and the Jets offense as a whole they're just not scoring that many touchdowns and they did put up 21 last week but you know we weren't expecting a whole lot out of this matchup so as far as Le'Veon Bell goes you know I I think there's risk that his workload could trail off as we get to the end of the season here and and that's like the only thing he's really had going for him all year Um, so he's a guy I haven't played much of and the few times I have played him he's burned me 
probably won't be looking to play him this week, but he's always worth considering. Um, yeah. You know, on the I, Ravens side, I think we got pretty much exactly what we expected. Ex- extreme efficiency out of Lamar Jackson. Uh, Mark Andrews had seven targets. Marquise Brown had four. They each found the end zone, but didn't have particularly big games. Uh, we did get a big game out of Mark Ingram, but he's still touchdown dependent. We talked about that last week and he found the end zone twice here. So had a good game, um, 23.6 DraftKings points. But, you know, he's a boom bust guy going forward as well. You need him to, you really do need him to score twice. Uh, I wanted to note on the Ravens that they're still motivated here. I mean, they can clinch a bye. They have not clinched a bye in the AFC playoffs just yet. They can clinch a bye with a win against the Browns, who we'll get to in a little bit here, are just a mess. So I know people are going to have sticker shock on Lamar Jackson at 8,000 on DraftKings. Uh, the fantasy game, and a really real life game, but for our purposes, the fantasy game of Lamar Jackson is like nothing we have seen before, I don't think. And so uh, I will not have sticker shock on Lamar Jackson at 8K. You know, I don't know if I'm going to end up playing him, but I, I think that we're getting to a, a place where, you know, maybe he's closer to being priced pr- appropriately, but you can make a pretty good case he's likely uh, still underpriced. But we'll see how it goes with Lamar uh, through the week. Let's go to Patriots Bengals. Um, I was excited to see John Ross play a lot because I didn't want to play John Ross against the Patriots. I did want to play John Ross in week 16 against the Dolphins. However, John Ross only played 25 out of 66 snaps against the Patriots in week 15, even with Auden Tate out, even though the Bengals were trailing the entire game. You know, it was actually Tyler Boyd and Alex Erickson. Now, could it be because they wanted to be uh, heavy against the Patriots and they kind of just gave up and were like, hey, we're gonna give the ball to Mixon again 30 times, even though we're getting trucked? Uh, Maybe, you know, so we'll see. I I think that the floor on John Ross against the Dolphins is lower than I'd like it to be considering his usage. But man, what sticks out from the Bengals side is this Joe Mixon. I mean, they get to play the Dolphins next and they're like, you know, screw it. We're just going to give the ball to Joe Mixon 30 times and try to end the season. And Evan's been talking about this for like six weeks now. The Bengals are playing like they just want the season to end. And the easiest way to get it to end is is to run run Joe Mixon into the line 30 times. So what do you see out of Bengals and, and Patriots? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to ignore the fact that Mixon had 25 carries and three receptions. I mean, that's a monster workload. But we've seen it ebb and flow back and forth. A little bit strange to see him get so many in a game that they trailed the entire time. But he's going to be an interesting look for this upcoming week. Uh, I doubt many people are going to want to play him just because it's the Bengals and the bottom can fall out at any time. You know, John Ross, probably more of a GPP flyer this week. You just can't trust it. He'll be out there. But we know that he's capable of doing a lot of damage on not a lot of touches. So definitely be interesting to consider him. I think on the Patriots side, probably the, the most noteworthy thing was the rotation of the receivers. You had Sanu up to 86% of snaps and Nikhil Harry played 58%, which was up from 3% the previous week. And then you had Dorsett and Jacoby barely played at all at 14 and 11% respectively. So I don't know if we can count on that going forward. We've seen so much um, shifting as far as a week to week, you know, who's out there and playing all the snaps. But I do think Sanu is the one guy you can probably pencil in for being out there a lot. Uh, and of course, Edelman. Well, yeah, I wanted to mention on Edelman, and I noted this on the Sunday pregame show uh, that we did the last minute live stream prior to the main slate. I think Julian Edelman is legit hurt. And there's a bunch of the, you know, Twitter doctors are talking about it, a bunch of the beat writers are talking about it. like Julian Edelman, uh, I think is actually playing through a serious leg slash knee ailment. Uh, I, I know he'll be out there. They have a huge game against the Bills on Saturday. I just think that he... Uh, is not 100%. And so doesn't mean he can't have a good game, but just take it at 
for what it's worth. Yeah. And then the, the other thing worth noting is with the running backs, you know, this seemed like it would be a smash spot for Sony Michelle. He did have 19 carries for 89 yards, but I mean, they're all splitting the snaps pretty evenly there. And it, it's, he's kind of like Ingram. You need him to score one or two times because he's not going to be involved in the pass game. So frustrating that he wouldn't get there. I thought he was a pretty good tournament flyer this week and he just hasn't had much production all season. Yeah. He's been so, so, so bad. And we don't give the Patriots enough crap for decision making, but they've made some really shaky decisions lately. You know, first round pick on Sony Michelle with with all his knee issues, trading a second round pick for Mohamed Sanu. Uh, you can make a case that uh, spending a third round pick on Damian Harris was uh, just kind of a waste. So yeah, I don't want to give the Patriots a pass, you know, when we rip on all these other teams for their decision making. Uh, let's get to the Bucks at Lions because this is super interesting. Man, you know, really sucked to have Chris Godwin go down midway through the third quarter. I played Chris Godwin in cash, and I was like all in on Jameis and Godwin in tournaments. And I thought, you know, Godwin had a fine game, but he was on his way to just an absolutely massive game. But anyways, now he's on the sideline. Now Scotty Miller pulled his hamstring, Godwin hamstring, Mike Evans hamstring. Somebody's head should roll in the training department there for the Bucks. They are down to Brashad Perriman, Justin Watson, Ishmael Hyman, and then they just signed Cyril Grayson. Uh, the Bucks did. So I think their plan is likely to have Perriman and Justin Watson as every down wideouts, Hyman and three wide receiver sets, and play a lot of OJ Howard and a lot of Cam Brait. Jameis Winston had a quote already about, uh, you know, he went up to OJ and Brait and said, you guys are going to get the rock a lot. Obviously, he feels more comfortable with OJ and Brait than he does with Watson and Hyman. And, you know, w- Watson has uh, the athletic the athletic profile, the analytics profile. Uh, Watson has not shown great production at the NFL level in preseason or in the regular season. So maybe I was too high on him, but, you know, for the Saturday slate, Perriman and Watson are going to be super strong. It's just, you know, when you play wide receiver for the Bucks, you are looking at likely 50, ta- 50 an upside of 50 pass times from Jameis Winston and vertical targets. So, yeah, I, I think the Bucks stuff is really interesting. And then we have other stuff in the Lions too, but what do you see out of the uh, the Bucks and Lions on Sunday, Wiggins? Yeah, I mean, really, this is the third straight week where O.J. Howard has been heavily involved. He played 88% of the snaps. He's got 19 targets over those last three games. He got that quote that you just referenced. So I think I think he's actually become a pretty safe play after being an extremely shaky play for the entire first part of the season. You could, you know, Braid only played 41% of the snaps, but we know that Jameis really trusts him. He still had seven targets. So I think he's probably going to be involved as well. Perriman seems like the guy that really stands out as the one that's going to suck up all the targets. You know, Watson, a little bit of a shaky flyer, but I think he, he certainly got upside. Um, we know that he's an athletic dude, so they'll both be very popular on this slate. I think they're probably both a little bit underpriced at 6K and 4.5K. Um, oh, as far sure. as the running backs, complete mess there. Ronald Jones played 45%, Barber 28%, and Dare 28%. So, I mean, we know that. We just can't trust any of those running backs at this point. Yeah, on, on the Lions side, you know, as expected, and we talked a lot about this in the week, Chris Lacey did not command as big a target share as Marvin Jones would have. Chris Lacey only saw two targets, and that's how you end up with 13 targets for Danny Amendola, seven for Kenny Galladay. And then, you know, we also, we you know, I saw there was some crazy stuff. You see Papa Gates played Ty Johnson and J.D. McKissick in the live final, um, you know, and, and whatever, like you can make out there plays. I'm typically on board with it. I think just being out on Lions running backs all year and really ever since carry on Johnson and has gone down just like being out on them completely. And they call up Wes Hills off the practice squad. 
he's the main back. It's just not going to be productive, I don't think. So I think just avoiding that situation altogether. But yeah, I saw a lot of people talking about Papa Gates playing Ty Johnson and McKissick. I don't know if you saw that, Wiggins. Uh, yeah, I didn't love it. But who am I to say? He's a lot better NFL player than I am. Yeah. Uh, do you realize that Kerryon Johnson is expected to come back? So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he could be trusted, but if you combined all of these running backs into one player, it would be an extremely valuable role. They had, there's 10 targets, I don't know, a bunch of runs, you know, two touchdowns out of them. Uh, yeah. if, if it was even two players, like it, it might've worked out for Papa Gates if this Wes Helms guy or whatever his name is didn't come out of nowhere. Yeah. I'll say on carry on Johnson, because we got a couple questions about that already. I would be shocked if, you know, when the Lions drawing dead, and carry on Johnson being out for so long, I would be shocked if they extended him, extended his workload. Like that would just, they, they didn't want to extend his workload when he was healthy at the beginning of the year. Yeah. So I won't be yeah. uh, playing carry on Johnson. I'm just out uh, on that. Let's go. I think to, that's the right call. Yeah. Let's go to Bears at Packers. Uh, Bears are obviously done at seven and seven, but Matt Nagy has stated that his starters will finish out the season. Uh, Mitch Trubisky has, from a fantasy perspective at least, has, has really turned it around. I mean, he's been playing really, really well. I don't love this spot home against a highly motivated Chiefs team, but we'll see. Uh, and Anthony Miller has obviously been playing really, really well also. And the Aaron Jones stuff, you know, I, I love Aaron Jones. Talked a ton about Aaron Jones in preseason. He had two more touchdowns on 13 touches. Now he has 17 touchdowns this season, even though he touches the ball just 16 times per game. And when when Jonathan Williams uh, uh, is healthy, uh, I'm sorry, when Jamal Williams is healthy, uh, that number goes down even more. So to have 17 touchdowns this year is just such a massive outlier for Aaron Jones. Uh, I'll keep betting against that. And the last rumor that I want to note on the Packers side, they're just like fed up with Jonathan Allison and Alan Lazard and MVS. They say they want to get Jake Kumaro more involved. I just think that all these secondary guys are going to rotate and it's going to be really tough to trust any of them. Uh, that's my spiel on Bears Packers. What'd you see? Yeah, I mean, Lazard's been playing a lot, but he's had basically no production. So it's understandable they'd be frustrated with that. And Devontae Adams was out there doing Devontae Adams things, 13 targets, uh, seven catches, 103 yards, touchdown. So he was a really nice contrarian play. Uh, Peter Gibbons almost ended up winning the live final with him. He was like two or 3% owned. So mm -hmm. that was nice. And, and the thing to note about Aaron Jones, he had zero targets this game. So I think it's just an outlier, but it's worth keeping an eye on. I mean, he's been a guy that's been getting four or five, six targets a game, and that's really helped his value, at least giving him a higher floor. Uh, because you really are counting on those touchdowns with him. But, geez, I mean, he's given us one, two, three touchdowns every week. So uh, risky play, but we know that he's got upside. Oh, and, and I guess just the last thing I don't know this game is that Trubisky threw it 53 times, which is almost his career high. I mean, that that's a pretty big outlier in and of itself. So when you look at the stat lines, you know, with Robinson, 14 targets, Miller, 15, Cohen had 10. Uh, it was all basically due to Mitch throwing it 53 times. I wouldn't expect that again going forward. For sure. Uh, and the Chiefs have actually, I mean, if people, if you look at uh, defensive metrics uh, over the last month, over the last six weeks, I mean, Chiefs defense has been uh, balling. I would, that's not one that I would uh, want to pick on anymore. All right. Texans at Titans. Uh, Will Fuller returned from his hamstring issue and I thought he played well, you know, 59 out of 63 snaps, seven targets. Now he gets the Bucks highly flammable secondary. Also, man, Ryan Tannehill did it again, you know. Um, uh, I thought that Ryan Tannehill was uh, – we talked about on Friday how I thought Ryan Tannehill was likely to regress, but not against 
uh, the Texans. And that's kind of what happened. However, you know, he's played the Texans and the Raiders and the Colts and the Jaguars the last four weeks. Now he gets the Saints, you know, a much steeper task. Yes, it's in Nashville, but still much steeper. The Saints will be highly motivated, which we'll talk about. Obviously, the Titans are highly motivated, but I think if Ryan Tannehill regression is going to catch up with him, this is a, a spot for it to regress. You know, Saints are on a short week, emotional, Drew Brees, what have you, but still think it's a tough task. And then, yeah, Derrick Henry, you know, I, his health seemed okay, probably better than people expected it to be, but he's just so expensive where he wasn't even playing. Even like, you know, Donks, I think, weren't even on Derrick Henry last week. He only came in like 6% owned uh, on DraftKings. Uh, what'd you see out of Houston and Tennessee? Yeah, I mean, you didn't mention the major troll job by Kenny Stills. You know, a lot of people played him last week. He didn't do anything. He actually only had one more target this week, three targets, uh, but he scored two touchdowns. So uh, I got a kick out of that. As far as Tannehill, you know, everyone was calling for him to have more pass attempts, and we finally got it with 36. And that led to A.J. Brown having eight receptions on 13 targets. So Brown went off again. I think it's just safe to say this guy is a complete stud, and I expect him to finish his next two weeks very strongly, and I think he's going to be drafted very highly next year. Um, Corey Davis. Kind of uh, the opposite there. Still getting nothing out of him, and I think we can basically expect that going forward. I mean, at some point, you just kind of give up on the guy, and you know, another game of three for fifty-seven. Like, it's just it's yeah. just not happening. Um, just looking to see if there's anything else. You know, basically what we expect on the Texan side outside of those two touchdowns to Kenny Stills, and I think it's just not happening for Duke Johnson this year. Down to thirty-three percent of snaps. Uh, Carlos Hyde had a good game, so yeah. frustrating with the running backs there. I mean, when they get out to a 13 nothing lead, it's obviously Duke is dead. But, Carl, you know, when they when that happens, Carlos Hyde actually had a pretty good game, you know, went over 100 yards. It's just, you know, you need him to go over 100 yards. And, and the only reason I bring this up is because on the Saturday slate, the running back position is so, so, so weak that, like, Duke and Hyde are actually going to be in play, which I know uh, sounds crazy. But, I mean, this running back situation on the Saturday slate for the three-gamer uh, is brutal. So we'll talk a lot more about that on Thursday night. Uh, Denver at Kansas City. Yeah, I got scared off this game. I thought Mahomes, Tyreek was a really good stack. Uh, even though Sammy Watkins in there, but I got off it when I saw like six inches of snow. Didn't bother Patrick Mahomes. You know, Patrick Mahomes went 27 of 34, 340 yards and two touchdowns in the snow. They do have to go to Chicago next. I'm sure the weather will not be great there. But from a matchup perspective, the Broncos in this game actually have the good one. They are home against the Lions in week 16. And we saw Corlin Sutton get 10 more targets. And now Noah Fant, yeah, he played through the foot issue, but then he hurts his shoulder, comes back. He's super banged up. So I think it's going to be a reasonable spot for Corlin Sutton if you think Drew Locke can handle the Lions at home, which he's shown, you know, in two out of three games that he can put up uh, some big numbers. So what do you think about the snow game? Yeah, definitely a good spot for Sutton. And he actually, he had what was really close to a touchdown. He kind of had it in his hands and they got knocked out. Good defensive play. So maybe we're looking at his week a little bit differently if he comes down with that. But I do think it's worth noting that his ADOT has been, it was 7.3 and his full season average is 12.0. So it is a bit of a different situation where he's not getting as many shots down the field. Maybe that was more, you know, Kansas City, you referenced it just a minute ago, but their defense has been good and they've been especially good against wide receivers. So uh, some of it might be that. Um, but it's got, it's, he's got a good spot coming up against the Lions here. So I, I think he could be a very, very good play. As far as the Chiefs go, I mean, again, it's pretty much what we expected. The snow didn't influence much. You know, Kelsey had a big game, didn't find the end zone. He's quietly put up pretty big numbers this year. He's at 86 receptions for 1,131 yards, only four touchdowns. You know, if, 
and he's definitely run bad on that. So if he had like six or eight touchdowns, we, you know, I think, I don't know. It seems like his season has been a bit of a disappointment, but it's really just kind of being unlucky in the touchdown department. I think more than anything, because the, the rest of production seems to be there. Yep, for sure. All right, let's go to Dolphins at Giants. Two friends of the podcast, Peter Overzent, Davis Maddock, were in attendance to see Patrick Laird just play an awful game. And I, and I like Laird. Uh, he played bad. And essentially what happened was it looked like they actually went to the game with the intention of using Laird the way they used him in week 14, which was like 80 to 85% of their running back touches and snaps. But he drops a pass. He gets stuffed on a fourth and one. And next thing you know, he's rotating with uh miles gaskin and now you know you're just dusted right because you have a dolphins running back in like an even timeshare and that's just a disaster you know and so uh i should have understood that that was more of a possibility and thought about finding the 500 to Kenyon drake and i don't mean to rub salt and wiggins wounds here but we talked about it on friday i think we mentioned it again on sunday like for 500 dollars more you know, you could make a case that Kenyon Drake had a similar touch projection to Patrick Laird. Obviously, the team situation is a little bit better. Obviously, the player is far more talented. One's at home. You know, one has rough weather. You know, one's like a fifth stringer for the freaking Dolphins. So whatever. I don't I don't want to go too far down it. I just think um, the Patrick Laird, if he would have gotten the same usage he got in week 14, it would have been fine. Uh, he just did it. I'd also note that Devontae Parker and Albert Wilson both got cleared from their concussions and Devontae Parker balled out as expected. That was like a layup GPP play, but one that kind of flew under the radar, Albert Wilson comes back and gets his uh, clear cut number two roll, 559-0 on eight targets. They get the Bengals next. So super interesting spot for both Devontae Parker uh, and Albert Wilson. What do you see out of the Meadowlands game that was attended by Mr. Maddock and Mr. Manns? Yeah, we had we had Maddock boots on the ground giving reports that Gaskin was returning punts and warm up. It's like, oh yeah, you know, it's all Laird's. Uh, and it did, <laughs> like you said, it did appear that way from the get-go. He had like 10 touches in the first two drives. And then, yeah. you know, he, he was playing behind Gaskin the rest of the way. So that was frustrating. But, you know, the Drake situation was like it went as well as it possibly could have for him and it's bad for Laird. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I really don't re- regret playing Laird in cash at all. It was the tournaments where I think it was a pretty, pretty awful play. But we're looking forward. Uh, Barkley finally had a big game. It's worth noting on him that his longest run was was only 12 yards. So even though he completely smashed, we're still not seeing those explosive plays out of him. I did watch a lot of this game. I thought he looked pretty good. The volume was there. Um, so it was nice to see him finally have a good game. And as far as the uh, wide receivers for the Giants, uh, Albert Wilson, you know, this is a guy that was pretty hyped up by a lot of sharp people coming into the year. He's a talented guy. I think he could be a real, really interesting play. Uh, upcoming in week 16. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to mention Eli, you know, look, I mean, Evan, it was his cover boy, you know, Eli, I think somewhat predictably went 20 of 28 for 283 yards with two touchdowns. They play the Redskins next. The Redskins are not the Dolphins. Like the Redskins are still playing hard and have some talent uh, on defense. So we'll see. And, you know, the Darius Slayton stuff, people who played Darius Slayton sucked out so hard because I thought that there was a really good chance he'd be number three in targets behind Golden Tate and Sterling Shepard. And, and that's what happened. And, you know, he got there with a the touchdown. Um, let's go to Eagles at Redskins. And man, the market just overrates the Eagles so much every week. Like it's wild. Like, I don't mean the fantasy market. Uh, I mean, like the betting market and like, you know, people who are obsessed with implied team totals and stuff like they've been bad all year. Like they were down most of this game to the Redskins. They were really lucky to beat the Redskins in week one. They've lost to the Falcons. They lost to the Lions. They lost to the Dolphins. 
I mean, they're just bad. Now, when you remove Alshon and Aguilar and all these other receivers, and all of a sudden you get Greg Ward, their number one receiver at stone minimum, like, you know, Greg Ward's going to have a chance to make plays. And he did so. And I think, you know, the town is like a buzz with Greg Ward being like this awesome player. I don't think that's the case. But NFL players, you know, when you get opportunities, uh, a lot of them are capable of taking advantage. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is not. Greg Ward is. I'd also note that Boston Scott uh, and uh, Miles Sanders were on the field together a bunch. And that allowed Boston Scott to get seven targets, Miles Sanders to get six. So they were at least getting creative with their assets. Obviously, game of the year for the Eagles and Cowboys this week. They're just going to leave it all out there. Eagles and Cowboys, you know, they both suck. Uh, one of them is going to make the playoffs and it'll likely be whoever wins this game. So what did you think about Eagles and Redskins on Sunday? Yeah, as far as the running back situation, Jordan Howard could be back this week, which would make it even more complicated. But we've been hyping up Miles Sanders a lot this year, and it's nice to finally see him have a monster game. Uh, unfortunately, I wasn't on him. I assume you probably weren't either. So no. part of it sucks. But uh, yeah, 71% of snaps for Sanders and 45 for Scott. Scott didn't do a whole lot on the ground, but he did have seven receptions. So I think, you know, he, he's going to be a thin play. If Jordan, you know, if Jordan Howard goes, he's out of, the, out of the question. But, you know, maybe maybe PPR type stuff, you could look at him um, season long, probably maybe more so than DFS. Yeah, and the receivers, it's, it's easy to, to look back and say, well, Ward is such a great play at minimum. You know, he scored the touchdown on the last drive of the day. So that really – made his line look quite a bit better, but you know, it was solid. And we said going into it, look, he's probably good for like 40 for 40 yards and you get, you get a couple more and it looks good. So th- that's the advantage of playing someone that's min price. There isn't a lot of risk. Um, on the other side, you had McLaurin take a 75 yard touchdown to the house early. We've seen Philly give up that a lot. He didn't do much the rest of the day. Steven Sims had 11 targets, but I don't think he's a guy that really should be on your radar and anything. And Adrian Peterson uh, had a pretty big role, rushing mm-hmm. 60 times, 66 yards, and also caught three passes. But, you know, we're not really looking to play Adrian Peterson. At least me and you aren't. Evan might be. Yeah. Uh, Redskins do play the Giants next. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you might, with with Geis out, you might have worse options, at least in season long, hopefully in non-PPR, half-PPR, than Adrian Peterson. And, yeah, Terry McLaurin, um, man, I mean – Dude's a baller. Like Haskins just has to get it out there for him. And they play the Giants this week who, you know, are just really lacking talent on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Seattle at Carolina. Uh, Chris Carson did get removed in some two-minute stuff. You know, I think that was a question with Rashad Penny out. He did get removed for CJ Procise. But overall, I thought the usage for Chris Carson was really, really good. You know, obviously it helped. They got up 13-0, which was just perfect for Chris Carson. You know, and Kyle Allen was so bad. I'll get to him in a second. But 22 routes run for Chris Carson on 29 Russell Wilson dropbacks, that's pretty strong. I also noticed that Tyler Lockett, you know, came up with a big game. And afterwards he says, you know, ah, oh, the flu was so bad. I lost 10 pounds, blah, 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 you know, um, whatever. Tyler Lockett was playing. Now it seems like he's getting close back to 100%. Uh, Josh Gordon is now done, likely done for his NFL career. So it seems like Tyler Lockett's back on, uh, back on track. The big question for this week, I think, is the Will Greer situation. And, you know, Evan's obviously way better than Wiggins and I about evaluating these college prospects. But Will Greer, it looks like he's going to start for the Panthers this week after Kyle Allen just, you know, had so many chances and couldn't do it. Uh, In 113 preseason snaps, Will Greer was not good, man. Um, Not good. And it concerns me when, you know, obviously I've played Christian McCaffrey almost every single week uh, on DraftKings. Uh, It concerns me that we're changing 
uh, uh, Christian McCaffrey situation now that we're changing DJ Moore and Curtis Samuel's situation. Now, maybe it's better for Curtis Samuel, actually, but we're changing DJ Moore and Christian McCaffrey's situation because they were obviously just in lockstep with Kyle Allen. So we're going to have to think a lot more about that. I actually think it might be better for Curtis Samuel. Can't get much worse for Curtis Samuel. But anyways, I just wanted to mention that. But anyways, back to Seattle at Carolina. What did you see, Wiggins? Yeah, Ian Thomas kind of went back to dust. And we did note last week that he was basically stealing targets from the established guys there. So that probably should have been a red flag as far as expecting that to continue. And we saw a bunch of the targets go back to DJ Moore um, and Curtis Samuel. And Ian Thomas ended with with four targets, 12 for DJ Moore and eight for Samuel. So, you know, not a huge shock, but a little bit frustrating because I, I was on him some. Luckily, didn't end up with him in cash, but I yeah. thought he was a really strong play. Yeah, I should know Greg, Greg Olson's expected back this week. Yeah, so you won't have to mess with him anymore. That's good to know. Um, Malik Turner looks like the guy that's stepping in for Josh Gordon going forward, but I don't think he's really going to be in play. And, and everything else is kind of as we expected it. Wasn't a ton of note here, I don't think. Okay, let's go to Jaguars at Raiders. And I want to be clear here that Oakland – you know, they were basically drawing dead to the playoffs, but they were clinging to like their 1% chance. Now that they've lost to the Jaguars, they're dead. So I think that Josh Jacobs is pretty likely to end up sitting out. And so if you can add DeAndre Washington in season long, I would do so if you're in the championship. And in DFS, obviously, you know, DraftKings made the mistake of leaving DeAndre Washington at 4K. I don't know how they made that mistake, uh, but they did. So I'm sure we're talking plenty about DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard, assuming Josh Jacobs sits out. Uh, they did say they expect Hunter Renfro back. And we talked a lot about the splits between Darren Waller uh, with and without Hunter Renfro. So I think that's at least worth noting. But Darren Waller had another really big game. It looked like he was on his way to a monster game. He was just ripping it up early and didn't do much in the second half. But still, eight catches, 122 yards. They play the Chargers next. The DJ Chark situation, we'll see if he's able to make it back. I kind of would be surprised. And, you know, it was kind of as expected behind him. Chris Conley, eight targets. Keelan Cole, six. DD just four. You know, not really a role change for Conley and Didi, but a more secure target share, at least for Chris Conley. Jaguars play the Falcons next. Could be a reasonable offensive environment, although Falcons defense is playing much better lately. What do you see out of Jaguars and Raiders? Yeah, it's worth noting that Chris Conley was just a monster garbage time hero. He had zero points at half, and I think he only had one catch going into the fourth quarter, and he caught two touchdowns in the fourth mm-hmm. quarter, one of which was on the final drive of the game. It was kind of a weird game overall. It almost felt like a blowout in favor of Oakland. I think the Jags had zero points at half or maybe three. And then just kind of flipped in the second half. So you had Darren Waller get out to a monster start in the first half and really did nothing in the second half. It's just kind of like the entire Oakland team went to dust in the second half. So just kind of a weird game all around. Yeah, we'll have to see on Shark. But I think it was pretty much what we expected from the receivers there, you know, garbage time aside. But garbage time counts just as a well as anything else does. Keelan Cole, 75% of snaps. So he was definitely the third receiver, but he was still out there a lot. He had a 55-yard catch on the first drive, and then he didn't do much after that. Uh, Tyrell Williams found the end zone again. I don't think he had done that in a while, but he just hasn't been really involved since he hurt his foot. I don't think you can trust him going forward. And yeah, I mean, DeAndre Washington is going to be mega chalk, uh, assuming Jacobs is out this week. Yeah. Let's go to Cleveland and Arizona. Uh, and on the Kenyon Drake stuff, you know, I, I thought one of the concerns with Kenyon Drake was, hey, they showed a willingness to give David Johnson some more work, to give Chase Edmonds some more work. Well, in this game, uh, Kenyon Drake played so well. David Johnson 
only ended up playing 13 out of 61 snaps and Chase Edmonds didn't play at all. So, you know, Cardinals at Seattle next, a much, much, much stiffer test than home against the Browns. But I just wanted to note that. And yeah, on the Cleveland side, I mean, man, what a mess. Just more bitching. Like Jarvis Landry had a dust up with Freddie Kitchens. Odell was obviously mega tilted. David Njoku was a healthy scratch. And now they have to play the Ravens. So it's almost like, you know, I just want off this Browns wagon. Like I was really lucky, like, you know, to get off Odell and Jarvis because they were, you know, in a vacuum, like they were both really good plays. But if you zoom out and look at the context of what's going on with Cleveland, um, there was a lot of risk at their price tags. So yeah, I think, you know, an interesting game, but for both these teams, you know, probably ones that I'm likelier than not to be out on going forward. Yeah, it's just a disaster in, in Cleveland. And you had uh, Hunt outsnapped um, Chubb this week, which was mostly probably a result of them being behind for all of the game. Chubb still had 17 rushes for 127 yards. And, and both of those guys do look like the best two offensive players on the team right now. So it makes some sense. And, and that was a concern of mine going into this was like, if it was just going to be a heavy running back game, unfortunately I didn't stick with my gut on that one. You know, my other concern was that there wouldn't be a lot of snaps because both, both these teams have been slowing down, but uh, you had 61 on the Arizona side and 70 on the Cleveland side. So that wasn't really an issue. It was just lack of efficiency from Cleveland. You know, if they could have completed some more passes, maybe you know, scored some more points, maybe we would have had more of a back and forth, but really just became the Kenyon Drake show. And, uh, you know, he was, he's a good player. He started playing well at the beginning of the game and just wrote it out and had an all-time game. So, you know, not much you can take from that. The The flow chart remains intact with Ricky Seals-Jones scoring two touchdowns on just seven routes, which is pretty wild. Um, but, man, yeah, I mean, I don't think we've ever seen anything like this where just the flow chart week in and week out, it's only failed one or two weeks the entire season. Otherwise, it's like one or more touchdowns from tight ends. It's just – it's bizarre really more than anything. Um. Yeah, for sure. I Ricky Seals Jones. I mean, God, that guy. I, I that guy's been lurking around for like four years now. Can't believe he got off. Uh, okay, Vikings at Chargers, and obviously the big story here. Dalvin Cook went down during this blowout. He looked like he was in a ton of pain. The Vikings have not ruled him out. However, given their playoff situation, they don't have a ton to play for. ESPN's Adam Schefter didn't tweet it, so he obviously doesn't feel that great about it. But he said it on Monday Night Football at halftime. He said he'd be surprised if Dalvin Cook plays again in the regular season. And we're also unsure on Alexander Madison. I've not seen an update on him. If any of you guys that played preseason with us, I mean, Mike Boone was, last two preseasons, Mike Boone has been like unstoppable. Like, like I don't even know, Walter Payton. Like Mike Boone's been unbelievable. He outtouched Amir Abdullah 12 to five after Dalvin Cook went down. So obviously it's not the main slate, but Mike Boone, I think would be the number one. Well, Depends what you need because obviously Perriman and Justin Watson are going to be options too on the waiver wire. But if you need running back, I think Mike Boone, uh, add him and hope that Alexander Madison ends up sitting out. And even if Alexander Madison doesn't, I think we'll see a reasonable amount of Mike Boone and or Amir Abdullah. Adam Thielen got back for this game for the Vikings. Didn't really need him. He only played 33 out of 65 snaps. I assume they'll need him more going forward. And then the Chargers stuff is ugly, man. Like, is this the end for Philip Rivers? Like this could be Philip Rivers' last game in LA uh, coming up, and you know it's home against the Raiders. Like they can win, and they still have Keenan and Mike Williams and Eckler and Gordon all playing out the strings. So like there's uh, a lot of fragility here because they have been so bad, uh, but there's also a lot of upside I think because as you saw, like Rivers still went over 300 yards and. Mike Williams and Keenan and Eckler and Gordon and Hunter Henry are super talented dudes. So 
It was an interesting game, even for a blowout. What do you think about Vikings Chargers? Yeah, as far as the running backs go, I do think it's a little bit of a difficult situation because you have CJ Ham in there too. He put this is the snaps after Cook went down. It was Ham forty seven percent, Boone thirty two, and Amir twenty four. So I don't know. I mean, Boone I think is the guy you'd want of the three of them, but there's a decent chance they're just going to be splitting it three ways. So a little bit scary there. Uh, Adam Thielen looked healthy. They didn't really need him. Why push him? So I think that was smart. And we've talked about how they've they've mostly been pretty smart with how they've handled guys all year long. And with the Chargers, yeah, I mean, you'd think they want to get a win for Phillip, you know, if this is his last game with the organization. But who knows, man? They, they've been all over the place all season. Justin Jackson's getting worked in more. So I'd, I'd definitely be a little bit worried about the running backs. And, yeah, I probably just won't be going there this week with, with the Chargers. There's too much uncertainty. And there, there's a premium to be placed – on situations where we know what's going to happen. And this is one where, you know, the game gets out of hand or whatever. You could just see the starters getting benched early. So I, I don't like it. Let's go to Rams, uh, Cowboys. Big win here for the Cowboys. They didn't even need Amari and Gallup, which is crazy. But, you know, against the Eagles, I mean, everybody just runs wild on the Eagles. Amari Cooper has absolutely destroyed uh, the Eagles. Obviously, you wish this game was at home if you have Dak and Amari and Gallup, but still think a pretty good spot uh, even as they go. To Philly, I also noticed that Cooper Cup was back as an every-down player. I, it's really hard for me to parse the usage here, and I know Robert Woods I thought was a pretty good play uh, last week, but you know I just never feel that comfortable projecting target shares for Rams pass catchers. I mean, it's gotten better because you can remove Brandon Cooks to some degree lately, but then Tyler Higby's popping up for 12 targets, so it's been tough to project there. I should note Jared Goff has a bruise on his throwing hand, I think on his thumb. But they're at San Francisco next anyways. I don't think that you know, many people are going to be too interested in playing uh, Ram stuff. Even Todd Gurley, you know, I, I guess on the three-game slate, you know, we'll have to at least consider it. But, you know, Todd Gurley just looks like such dust. And even though he's getting 100% of the work now, they're leaving him in down 30 with three minutes left. It's really hard for me to get excited about Gurley at San Francisco. And Tyler Higby, the machine, man. Tyler Higby cannot be stopped. And we'll see on Gerald Everett's status as the week moves along. What do you see out of Rams, Cowboys? Yeah, I mean, gosh, was it frustrating as, as a guy who wasn't on Gurley. And I liked Gurley. I just didn't end up having him, watching him in there, scoring that touchdown and just complete garbage time. And he almost scored another one. I mean, I don't know what McVay is thinking leaving them in. But I noted this on my review video. Like, you know, it's worth taking note of those situations of coaches that just leave guys in spots like that because there's a little bit of extra equity there. Most coaches would have had those guys out at least one or two series before they were. Um, pretty bizarre for the Cowboys to score 44 points and and Amari and Gallup to combine for two catches but you know CNFL weird stuff happens um jumping quickly back to the Rams you know you just like you said you just can't really trust the situation now you've got Higby uh has become like the man there you know it reminds me of early in the season when Cup was the man and then Woods was the man for a while so I don't know they've just been alternating back and forth and there's just a lot of guys that are capable of production there so it's hard to, to guess who it's going to be and in this case Goff threw it 51 times. So for really only Higby, and I guess Cup got there late with a touchdown, but like, man, for only two guys to have okay games and no one to smash on 51 attempts, like that's not a good sign either. And Woods did have nine targets. So the opportunity was there. He just, uh, you know, just didn't have the production this game. And he, he was probably due for a down game after what had occurred the previous four weeks. Yeah, I should know Richard Sherman, uh, obviously uh, still playing at a very high level. San Francisco 49ers cornerback is expected back. I think I think he'll be back for that game on Saturday against the Rams. So obviously not good there for Mr. Woods. 
Uh, Falcons at 49ers went down. And yeah, this was a really interesting game. You know, I was curious about how the Falcons would play their wide receivers without Calvin Ridley. And what they did is these were routes run. Julio ran the most routes with 44. Second was Christian Blake was 42. Slotman Russell Gage, 41. And they only gave uh, Zacchaeus, Alameda Zacchaeus, three. And Justin Hardy won. So at least in this game, it was very clear that Christian Blake, they want him to be in the Ridley role. Now, uh, it didn't matter because they were playing San Francisco and Blake was like drawing dead. But they played Jacksonville next. So I think it's at least worth looking at Blake and Gage considering how much they played. I also noted that like Falcons aren't giving up, man. I mean, Devontae Freeman handled 87% of the running back touches. You know, that's pretty encouraging as he heads to a Jaguars game. And then also Austin Hooper, Second game back from injury, you know, he only had three catches for 20 yards, but usage was really good. You know, they gave him a tight end screen. Uh, he had that late touchdown that, you know, uh, controversially got called back. So, uh, you know, I'd be optimistic on Austin Hooper uh, going forward. What do you see out of Falcons 49ers? Yeah, just a wild game. And you had 20 targets for Julio and 17 for Kittle. I think they both had 50% of the market share of their team. So we've been kind of looking for Julio to do this all year. Uh frustrating to have it occur in a tough matchup and his price was way down you know we were talking about the the browns and jarvis landry and julio were the same price so mm-hmm. uh, sometimes you just want to bank on talent i think and julio is clearly a much much more talented player than jarvis landry nothing against jarvis landry but um yeah that was frustrating especially since i, I you know i i didn't find any cash but i did play landry over julio so it makes you wonder a little bit um if i was on the right path there but yeah i mean we we were we told you to be worried about not that Raheem had a bad game, but he only played 53% of the snaps and, and Coleman was up to 30% from 14 uh, the previous week. So th- there's just a lot of risk with those running backs. And I think if one of them gets hot, they could easily get a bunch of the touches. Oh, so I just yeah. don't feel comfortable with any of them. No, I, and I couldn't believe, I, I talked about it on the solo pod, I couldn't believe how owned uh, brother Raheem, Raheem Mostert was. Uh, he was like 20% owned or something crazy oh, on draft games. I told you, you guys were saying he was going to be like 5%. Oh. Right? I just no, can't no, believe no. it. I mean, got a three-man backfield where we know it's a hot hand situation. Like, you know, it was just crazy. And, that you know, I think Raheem got really lucky to have the score that he did. So, yeah, I think a lot of people um, should have been punished harder. Um, all right, let's go to Bills at Steelers, which was the Sunday night game. And, uh, you know, just brutal matchups continue for Josh Allen and John Brown. You know, they played well through it, but now they have to play the Patriots. On Saturday, uh, Devin Singletary getting 21 carries and three targets in this game on Sunday night was good. You know, Frank Gore got 10 carries, though. They had a, a lot of plays because they just, I mean, Devlin Hodges was just a disaster. And Mike Tomlin had to come out and say, yeah, we're going to stick with Devlin for this game. We're going to give him another chance. Uh, James Conner returned. They played four running backs, though. Like, they were giving Kareth White work. So, you know, I'm not too excited about any of that. And, you know, God, I mean, I just don't trust Duck to run an NFL style offense. I've been saying this for like, feels like six weeks now. So it's hard for me to get excited about Deontay Johnson and James Washington. You know, Nick Vanette's usage was really strong with Vance McDonald out, but it's just really hard for me to get excited with Duck back there. Um, What did you think about that Sunday night game, Bills, Patriots? Yeah, I mean, they opened it up. He threw it 38 times, which I I would not expect that going forward. I think they've shown very clearly they don't want him to be throwing a lot. It's just a situation that, that they felt called for it. And James Washington had 212 air yards. So I guess if they are going to open it up, he's a guy that you got to look at. But I, I just wouldn't expect it going forward. And, and yeah, I mean, I just don't think he's that good of a quarterback. So they scored 10 points even with 38 attempts. Yeah, that's, that's not great. Uh, James Conner, 
they probably wanted to ease him back in. I, I'd expect his snaps to increase, but still risky when they're willing to have four running backs out there. So I wouldn't be super interested in playing him. Not a ton to note from this game. Um, Singletary continues to be the lead back. He played 71% of the snaps, had 21 carries. They did run the ball a lot, so uh, Gore did get 10 carries. You know, and he, he busted a 14-yard run, uh, gets tackled on the one, and then Josh Allen vultures it. So that's one of the risks with this team with the running backs is that Josh Allen takes a lot of those carries when they're on the goal line, and we saw it play out here. Yeah, and, you know, we're going to have to think about Singletary for the Saturday slate because, again, there's not a lot of – options so on a full slate obviously Singletary I think would be a pretty easy fade on a full slate against the Patriots but you know this three-game slate is going to be tricky let's get to the last game the Monday night game the Drew Brees coronation game it was Colts at Saints and the Colts were just drawing stone dead from the jump you know they said that T.Y. Hilton was ready to rock well he was actually just a part-time player and I would note that now they are six and eight now they are officially mathematically done do they get uh, do they put T.Y. Hilton back on the sideline? Do they try to get a look at some of their younger players, et cetera, et cetera? I think there's some risk here with the Colts stuff. They play the Panthers at home in week 16. The Saints, meanwhile, still have plenty to play for. And I mean, God, Michael Thomas was so awesome last night. The Saints, they have the same record as the Packers and the 49ers. Like those teams are still battling hard to uh, get buys, to get home field, et cetera, et cetera. So the Saints go to Tennessee with all the motivation in the world. In week 16, Alvin Kamara usage continues to be strong touchdowns. I mean, similar to Kelsey, you know, I think maybe you could point to Kamara's red zone and inside the five-yard line usage not being as strong as Kelsey's. And maybe there's some more reason with Taysom Hill and Josh Hill and Michael Thomas and all those other guys. Uh, maybe there's more reason that Kamara can't score versus Kelsey. But regardless, you know, Kamara's floor of catching four to six passes and getting 50 to 60 yards on the ground is going to make him a play every single week. And the last guy that I mentioned here is my boy, Traquan. I just think Traquan's a really, really good player. And when Drew Brees gives him chances, Traquan had a uh, touchdown. He also had a touchdown call back on a very, very weak offensive pass interference call last night. And matchup against the Titans perimeter corners uh, does not get much better. So I think Traquan will be at least sneaky uh, in week 16. But what did you see last night in the Colts-Saints game? Yeah, it's just crazy that Kamara can't find the end zone. I mean, here's another game where they score 34 points. Basically, everybody on the team gets in the end zone, except for poor Alvin. So I, I think it's, you know, he, he averaged 4.5 yards on the ground. It's not like he's he's being awful, but I, a lot of it's just luck. And, and then he hasn't been able to break those really long plays, kind of similar to Barkley, that we have come used to or come become used to with him. So, look, I, I think you got to – just keep playing him and, and I haven't looked at his price, but I assume that it's still pretty cheap. I mean, just cause the production hasn't been there, but he's had plenty of opportunity to score. I think he will continue. It's a good offense, just a frustrating situation. You know, weird things happen in football. You know, Michael Thomas had, I think it was two years ago where he didn't have really any touchdowns and for the first 10, 12 games of the year or something like that. And other than that, he's been a touchdown machine. So you, you can go through big droughts, but I do think the ankle is probably part of it. Um, but other than that, pretty much what we expected on, on the Saints side, the Colts, um, kind of a mess in their backfield, splitting touches. I don't think you really want any part of that from the remainder of the season here. And I'd be worried about T.Y. Hilton, you know, with nothing to play for. I think that he could potentially be active and just not play much, or maybe he won't be active at all. But I'm just kind of staying away from the Colts entirely for the remainder of the season. 
Yeah, Alvin Kamara is 7,500 on DraftKings uh, main slate Sunday in week 16 at Tennessee. You know, certainly no bargain, but uh, I think still underpriced. But we'll see how the week plays out, and we'll talk a ton about that on Friday. All right, we've said it all. Uh, We've gone through every game. I hope that you guys found this informative. We'll be back on Thursday night. Still working out some details about where and exactly what time it'll be broadcast. But the replay, as always, will be available uh, in your podcast app. So we'll be back Thursday night with myself, Wiggins, and Silva to talk about the Saturday slate. Until then, for Wiggins, for producer Luke, for Jerry, I am Adam. Good luck, everybody. Mm -hmm.